0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos and NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Binoff. Joining me tonight is Jacob Terrell, uh, two-man show tonight. Earl is out, uh, decided to take the week off, and so we support him in that. And uh, it's something we should probably all do at some point. Uh, but we are here. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, New Mexico United, of course, did lose this past weekend to Louisville City FC by a final of 3-1 to one. And before we do hop into our discussion, Jacob, I have one burning question for you.
1: Let's do it.
0: Four weeks into the season, can your team win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah. I mean, we, we have to get
1: healthy, especially in the secondary. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the most impressive team in the NFC anyways that I've seen has honestly been Dallas, as much as I – somewhat hate to say that, but, you know, they've got a win over the chargers who look freaking fantastic. Uh, they beat a Panthers team that was three, and oh uh, and had a good defense. They shlacked the Eagles, um, and they squeaked by us. So, or we squeaked by them. So, I mean, they've been really impressive, but we've already beat them and they don't necessarily scare me enough to think that, that, uh, they would beat us again in Tampa or in Dallas for that matter. Um, and then once you get to the AFC, the AFC is a. I don't even know what's going on in the AFC right now. So, uh, yeah, there's no one that really sticks out. So I think I probably. There's probably one, two, three, four, four teams in the AFC. And one, two, three or five or six teams in the NFC that I think can win it. So I mean there's it's it's kind of a kind of for grabs after it's not a, it's not a quarter of the season anymore like it used to be because of the 17th game but but after roughly a quarter of the season it's 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 still very much up in the
0: air on on some things. Well, I think we're far enough into the season now that you can make a pretty good projection as to how your team is going to look for the rest of the year and you've got some teams like green bay who started off kind of rough in their first week they've now won i think it's three in a row arizona cardinals are 4-0 you've got dallas cowboys who are playing pretty well tampa bay somehow managed to win in the, in the rain and sleet and snow up in foxborough over the weekend well i can tell you how they did that bill belichick made a terrible decision uh, the ball was deflated No, that's not what it was.
1: (laughs) Belichick made a terrible... See, the ball wasn't deflated. That's why Brady was overthrowing people uh, in in the rain. It was was too inflated is what was going on there. (laughs) Um, But no, Belichick's decision to kick the field goal at the end there was probably the dumbest thing I've seen any coach do all season. It's 56 yards. They said it's raining harder now than it has throughout the whole night. You have a guy whose longest career field goal is 56 yards. He doesn't kick field goals over 50 yards for the Patriots. They've just never ran him out there to do it. And on top of that, even if he makes that, you still have 50 seconds left and two timeouts, and you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady, and all he needs is a field goal? I don't know, man. It was a questionable decision. And um, and so that's, that's literally... You know, there's the whole saying of, and especially in football, like do whatever the opposing fan base doesn't want you to do. And when it came to that fourth and three, I was like, man, they're going to go for it. That I, that sucks because uh, they're probably going to get it, and then they can just waste clock until they kick a field goal, a much closer field goal. And when they said that they were trotting out Nick Folk, I was like, what? Really? Okay, yeah, let's do this. All right, cool. And then he misses, and, and we kneel, and there you go. It, 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 by no means has it been pretty for Tampa Bay this season. Um, even that Falcons game, I mean, I think we controlled it for the most part, but the score was closer at the start of the fourth quarter than I would have liked it to have been. Um, and then our other games have been, you know, kind of not great not bad but not great so but we've had a lot of injuries in the secondary like i said and and if we can get some guys back later in the season and and gear up then i think we'll we'll be right there we're gonna make the playoffs we're gonna win that division just because that division is outside of tampa it's probably the worst division in the nfc Yeah, the the nfc east has might have something to say about that but and the north actually you know all the divisions kind of suck aside from one team and, um, and then you have this, the NFC West that actually has possibly four, four playoff teams. Maybe I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I, I mean, if it's not
0: those, if it's not those four, who else is it? I don't know. That, that's a tough call right there. All four of those teams have looked good for a large portion of their games. And, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the NFC West uh, down the stretch, whether or not we get four teams. I could see three teams coming out of there for sure, but I I don't think it's ever happened or I don't think it's set up in a way that we, that you could get four. It is now with the seventh playoff team
1: because there's three wild cards. Mm -hmm. So I, the only thing about it is that the, they might cannibalize each other in the games that they play each other, but you look at the NFC South, the Saints. I mean, I don't. I thought they were for real when they beat the Packers in Week One. They beat the crap out of them, but then they've looked terrible in their last three games. The Panthers, maybe. I mean, but then Dallas just went out and smoked them, and now I'm like, yeah, I don't know.
0: And I think you know, they also didn't have Christian McCaffrey this weekend
1: he's out he might be back this weekend but but we'll see It, it was more the defense for the panthers against the cowboys that worried me because the panthers defense had been really good going into that game and then dallas just did whatever they want and and part of it is dallas just has a really good offense and kellen moore has them playing really well calling the right plays and and so i don't know but after eight weeks we'll we'll have a discussion again about so a- actually after eight weeks let's see where are we four weeks mm-hmm. So we
0: are here'll say what Thanksgiving weekend
1: yeah I think that's more than eight weeks but uh, but yeah probably around well so Thanksgiving that that Tuesday after Thanksgiving I will not be on the pod <laughs> FYI but uh around that time maybe right maybe the week before thanksgiving um, if we're not talking about united we can do a deep dive on on the nfl season cuz by then we we might we might know the playoff teams in both conferences by then
0: it's entirely possible at least i think we'll have some teams that are eliminated by that point we may not have the oh, i can i can tell you a handful of teams that are eliminated already <laughs> more than likely i mean this, historically if you start 1 and 3 it's like a 2% chance yeah, that you're going to make the playoffs if you start 0 and 4 i don't know what it is i think it's basically a 0% chance but yeah it's pretty rough if you're not off if you don't get off to a winning start and you look at teams like detroit who i don't know what's going on over there and then atlanta we have no defense whatsoever we can't stop anybody and i have i have no faith in my team whatsoever right now are you talking fantasy or are you talking of falcons both (laughs) both i finally picked up my first fantasy win this weekend yeah against against a team that also hasn't won yeah i guess another team and i look back at that and my team has just underperformed all season long so far four weeks in and it's just been like underperformance after underperformance and and then both leagues that i'm in it's been that way in my other league that I'm in this week, I had 60-some-odd points sitting on the bench.
1: <laughs> that sucks,
0: doesn't it? And and that league, I had Tom Brady as my starting QB. And because of how bad the weather was in Foxborough, I don't think Brady had a touchdown pass. I don't think he had a touchdown pass, did he? No, he did not. Yeah, so I'm like, Tom, one touchdown. That's all I need. He has one not, touchdown.
1: He has actually not thrown a
0: touchdown pass in two weeks. Yeah. It's terrible. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what happened, but yeah, it's just been underperformance across both my fantasy leagues this year. And so, like, I, Christian McCaffrey was out. Uh, I I drafted Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown number one. He's been non-existent, and then he had COVID. And I, so, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa! Week one, Antonio Brown was fantastic. I will have you know. Well, I I, I have it right here on your other team. Antonio Brown in week one had twenty-three. 23- Point seven fantasy points. Yeah. And then he was eh, against Atlanta. And then he didn't play. And then he had 13.3 against Atlanta or against New England. So he hasn't yeah. been too bad. He should have had more. He should have caught a touchdown pass at the end of Atlanta, but he should have destroyed Atlanta.
0: That's what, what should have happened. Atlanta's got a shit secondary. Like we do. We do. Our, our secondary is shit. And we just lost Isaiah Oliver for the season. So you know, I, I'm done with the Falcons this year. Like, I I think we will be lucky to get 500 this year. Or 8-9, you know, yeah, whatever that's whatever enough. it is now. I think we'll be lucky to get that. I can see this being like a 6 or 7 win season more likely. And even then, I don't know, but we have to fix the defense because I have there's no way that we come back from a 1 and 3 start. And and Matt
1: Ryan kind of looks done. I respect Matt Ryan. I think he's been a great quarterback for a while. From what I've seen of him this year, he has not looked like
0: Matt Ryan of old. We've had some issues with play calls. We've had some our O-line has been absolutely terrible too. And so we just have a number of okay. issues. And I saw some people complaining about the hit that he took against Washington on Sunday saying, Oh, that shouldn't have been roughing the passer. It's like, well, you can't hit the quarterback in the face. Like that's just the way the rules written. It doesn't matter what is you cannot hit him in the head. Like it may have been a soft penalty and I will agree to that. It was soft, but you can't do it. Like it doesn't matter. It's, and it's all because of Tom Brady. Do you have any Falcons on your fantasy team? The well, um, like league
1: that I'm in, anyways. I was just on it, but I didn't look.
0: No. Smart. Smart. I don't think I do. I might have drafted Kyle. No, I didn't draft Kyle Pitts. No, your 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 name is
1: Up Pitts Creek. Yeah, yeah. Does have <laughs> a, have a Pitts reference in it? But I
0: do not believe you have him. Yeah. No, I honestly I tried to season. avoid the Falcons this year. I did. I think I have. Let me pull up my fantasy. Nobody. Things. You don't
1: have anybody. Yeah. On on that one anyways, you don't. And by the way, uh, somebody was, was uh, mocking me for picking um, the Atlanta kicker in the, I don't remember what round, because I, I did, uh, uh, what's it called? Auto draft. Yeah. Uh, because of something. And well, that auto drafted team is in second place in the league right now. So, you yeah. don't. So, I do have
0: Kyle Pitts in the other league that I'm in. Oh, okay let me look at his uh now this league here their scoring is a lot looser than the one that we're in with josh and so he let me see what let me see where his uh where his numbers are in that league uh so against philly eight targets four receptions thirty one yards he got eleven point one points against tampa bay six targets five receptions seventy three yards i don't think he's got Yeah, he, i don't think he has a touchdown yet this year no so he got 17.3 points against tampa bay so the scoring is a little bit looser in that league i think it's like two like a it's like a two ppr league yeah yeah that's crazy so yeah it's it's an interesting league for sure and then obviously you know yards and things like that but so yeah i have Kyle Pitts in that league um but yeah, other than that, like, I avoided, I thought I'd pick up Calvin Ridley, um, but I didn't do it because I I just, I, I have, because of my, because of what I saw in the preseason or what I didn't see in the preseason, I didn't really want to draft any of the Falcons. And so, yeah, this past, this weekend in that league, I had uh, Kenny Galladay on the bench oh, okay, and uh, Tyson Williams on the bench.
1: Tyson,
0: didn't, Tyson didn't even play this weekend. Did he? Who was it then? That yet? Let me look back at my at my matchup then.
1: In my other league, I am 4-0 and the third highest scoring league. And that, I mean, Josh, if you're listening, don't take this the wrong way. I care about that league. I'm making moves. I'm doing what I can. Uh, I don't care about it near as much as I do the other one because the other one has $130 to buy in, and I can win like $1,000 if I <laughs> uh, win that league. So I'm paying a lot of attention to it. And so I'm very happy to be 4-0 in it. And I feel really good about my team there.
0: Okay, the other person I had on the bench that really went off for me was uh, Jerome McKissick. Yeah, but I don't blame you. Like you're not going to start
1: those guys. That's not. Yeah. I don't blame you for that. I don't blame you for that at
0: all. Yeah, my my other starting wide receivers in that league were Cole Beasley in a forty to nothing victory. Cole Beasley had a meet, had five point six points. Sounds about right. Like, I don't know what happened there, but my other two receivers were uh, were Deontay Johnson who went off for thirty yeah thirty seven points there. And then Tyler Boyd had 39 points.
1: No, that's a good. That's a good one.
0: So I had a uh, Edwards Allaire as my running back, as my RB two went at 30 31.4, and then a uh, from San Francisco who had not not a bad week. He he overperformed the projections. He had 12.1, but yeah, Brady underperformed by like 10 points in that league. So wait, what what kind of league is it that
1: you're starting Kyle Yousech as a running back? And, and and
0: because he gets, t- he gets a lot, he gets a lot of sure touchdowns.
1: He does. He doesn't. Yeah. But, but, but you don't have any other running
0: backs. Like, who else did you draft? uh so yeah, my other running backs in that league, uh, JD McK- uh, McKissick. Then I, I had Elijah Mitchell, and Mitchell's been out. Or so that's why so you, I started. You didn't draft
1: Elijah Mitchell.
0: Yeah how deep is this league? I'm so confused. (laughs) So my, my bench currently is Jameis McKissick, Mitchell, uh, Williams, Galladay, and uh, Tanyan. That's my bench in that league. Like it's, it's a, I think this is a 12 team league. So it's pretty deep. Okay.
1: Yeah. Did you have Mozart? 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 No, I didn't.
0: No, I didn't have him. Um, My I didn't draft him. So, okay, Yeah,
1: that's weird. Anyways, you can tell we don't want to talk about the United game because (laughs) we've spent 18 minutes talking about football.
0: There's nothing wrong talking fantasy football. I mean, this has always been, you know, fantasy football not necessarily has been our goal, but our goal is to just talk about sports. You know, while United is our priority, you know we do have times and I think we're going to get into other leagues and things. And we've got, we're going to, we're going to figure out our off season plans here eventually. And I'm sure there's going to be something to talk about. I mean, I think NHL starting, right. That's starting soon. Yeah. They start October 12th. And then the NBA starts at some point, which I really don't care about the NBA. I do. Uh, I know you bit, do anyways. Yeah. I know you, I know you anyways. and Earl kind of watch it and I, I don't, but no, we'll find some other stuff to talk about here in the off season. And so there's nothing wrong with talking fantasy football, nothing at all. So, but yeah, I mean, we're 2 we're on completely different spectrums in terms of where our teams are going, both in terms of fantasy and real NFL, but in terms of New Mexico United. Yeah. This weekend was not a good showing for us. It went out to Louisville City, obviously. Took took them on for the first time ever in club history. Gave up two goals in the first 15 minutes. Amando Moreno did come back and score one in stoppage time by the first half to narrow that lead to 2-1. And then we gave up a third in the second half, and that was all she wrote. And I think we just got done in by that first half hour. We came out, we looked flat, we didn't look good. And on those two goals, it was basically the exact same run of play that happened, just going opposite directions. And you could see that we weren't reacting well. Guys weren't sliding over, they weren't making coverages, and we struggled. And really, those goals weren't much more than tap-ins, but we we couldn't find an answer to it. Yeah. So that's somebody that,
1: um, you know, I had a really crazy weekend. We helped my mom move. Uh, We were in Los Angeles. It was a one o'clock game, um, which threw me off just because, you know, we don't get back from when we go out of town, we don't get back home until that evening. So I had to watch the second half from my phone and missed the first half for the most part. And so it's kind of crazy, but um, was it, after those first two goals was the whole half basically uh, praying that they don't score another one or did we settle into the game at all after
0: those first 30 minutes or so after about 30 minutes, we kind of started to settle in and we looked better. in I would say the final 10, 15 minutes of the first half, but that first half hour, it was just loose city. You know, they were playing a really high press. They were, disrupting us trying to play out of the back. You could see the guys making passes that they weren't prepared for passes that they didn't necessarily want to make. And loose city really just controlled that first 30 minutes of the match. And like I said, we just, we came out flat. Uh, I made a comment over on the Reddit thread saying maybe it's like the, all that stuff in the NFL where they always talk about West coast teams going East and the earlier match times and stuff like that. I mean, maybe that was part of the case. I don't know. But it just mean, didn't look good. I think,
1: well, first and foremost, Lucity is a, is a really, really good caliber USL championship side. Mm-hmm. Um, they, after I think, I think they lost their first two home matches after opening that stadium last year. But that was, of course, during the pandemic. So it was kind of strange. Uh, and I could be wrong about that. But I, I'm, I know they lost their home opener there. But since then, they have been very, very good at home. They have a fantastic home field advantage. And then you add in the fact that we're going there at one o'clock, which is a weird start time on a Sunday, which is our first Sunday game, our first afternoon game. Um, And it is going farther east than we've ever traveled as a as a soccer club. So. I, I don't want to put too much stock into this and we talked about it before i mean i predicted us to win but that's i I did i was feeling good about where we were but at the same time you can't you can't really hang your head at at a loss that i mean i I understand the first 30 minutes didn't look great but the second half that i did watch we had Two fantastic chances. Moreno, in particular, had two fantastic chances to draw level at two, and one was a sitter that he somehow—I don't even know how he hit it over the bar from that close. I I just—I'm not. Physics defies that to me, but he did, and then that should have been in the back of the net, Uh, especially with a player the quality of Amando Moreno. The fact that the fact that that doesn't hit the back of the net or he doesn't even force the see keeper to make a save uh, is terrible. It's just flat out terrible. Um, And then he had one where he made a nice play and put it off the crossbar. And I don't blame him for that. one. I mean, that was, that was a hell of a, hell of a shot. It was just uh, an inch too high and it bounced down right in front of the line and, and spun back. So, but, but if that first one goes in, which it 100% should have, all of a sudden it's two, two with 30 minutes left and you're like okay there's a game here we still might have lost but uh i think scoring there even if we would have lost three-two, would have changed a lot of people's perception on how that game goes and so the chances were there at least we just couldn't finish which has been the bugaboo all season not finishing but we had kind of gotten away from that and had been finishing a lot of our quality chances so Overall, I'm not too worried. It's it was a Eastern Conference match that in the tight division race that we're in. Obviously, every match we need points, but it's not a six point match like the RGV and the San Antonio and the Real Monarchs, even though they're already eliminated. Uh, so we'll come out tomorrow night. We'll play a hard for team that. Uh, I didn't look what they did this weekend, but they had been struggling. So they've lost four or five. So if we can can, kind of turn it around there and, and um, get at least a point, preferably three points back at home, then uh, I'm definitely not worried at all. But from what I saw of the match, we, we weren't drastically the worst team. I mean, I felt like we competed really well in the second half and and played them pretty much even from what I saw uh, gave up. We had one bad turnover and I meant to go look and who look back at who it was, but um, I want to say it was Azira had a bad turnover right there at midfield and Louisville capitalized on it. Uh, McLaughlin, who a lot of people rumored uh, were was coming here in the offseason, season. Um, Cause he was on our roster on the USL website at one point. <laughs> um, he, he ended up putting in that third goal and, and it was just kind of a backbreaker uh at that point and, and we just had no fight after that which like i said one o'clock eastern time zone playing against a club like that you go down two goals after two chance two great chances of tying it up you're probably going to be a little a little deflated there and and so i you watch the whole thing do you feel differently it was it like a was it such a poor showing that you're concerned or was it explainable at least
0: the first 30 minutes. Yes. As far as explaining it, I don't think I can do that. I can't explain what caused it. Now loose city is absolutely one of the best clubs in the USL. They have been since their inception in 2015. They've made the playoffs every single year, except for last year. And they've won two USL league cups.
1: They made the playoffs last year.
0: No, they finished uh sixth, Oh, I know. Yeah, they did make the playoffs. That's right. They, they made the playoffs because it yeah. was the weird thing. Yeah. yeah I, I always, I saw, you know, you look and you see them finishing six in the table. Okay. But yeah. So anyway, Lucy, uh, they're absolutely a great team and they came out and they pushed what they wanted to do. And it absolutely disrupted everything that we would normally do. You know, the play out of the back and we were making quick, again, having to make quick decisions <laughs> And I think it really affected the guys mentally for the first, again, 30 minutes or so. But after that, like I said, we finally seemed to settle in. We saw some really good runs. Daniel Bruce, I thought was our man of the match because he played lights out. He played really well. He made some really good runs. And then the vision that he had to turn around on that first goal and play the ball back up back square into the middle of the box. I thought was fantastic. Fantastic a lot of time 98% of the time you're going to see guys get down there to the to the byline and they're going to either have that ball run out of play on them or they're going to try to try to play it back in and it's going to fall to a defender or it's going to just get going to get deflected out but that was a great run by by him great follow through by Amando and then like I said that, that last 10 15 minutes of the first half on into the second half you could see the momentum you could see that the guys were finally comfortable and we were, we were connecting on passes. We were making runs. We were making our presence felt. And so you see that all the way up until that, I'd say, the second miss by Moreno. The first one, how he was that unmarked, I have no idea. Just wide open. There was nobody within I don't know, seven, eight yards of him. And pinpoint cross by Josh Suggs, absolutely fantastic cross there. And then I've watched yeah. that replay a number of times, and I think what happened is the ball short hopped the Mondo a little bit. And so he tried to just take, take it on as a one-time, which is fine. You know, Normally that, it's not an issue. You want guys to get the ball out quickly. You want them to take that quick shot. But I think because of that short hop and how he hit it, he just got under the ball and it went over, which is rather unfortunate. I think if, with how much room that he had, with the amount of time that he had, he could have settled it and taken a much better shot. I mean, I imagine the XG on that was like 1,000. You know, I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know what the exact, what the actual XG on that shot was, but. Yeah, basically one on one with the keeper at the spot. That should have been. That should have gone in the goal. He that should have gone in the
1: spot. He was at the top of the six. Yeah. if not inside the six.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a really close shot. And then on that second one, it was a great turn by him to even keep the ball in the area and give himself a chance to shoot. And just unfortunate, the ball bounced the way that it did off the crossbar. Yeah. You know, most times you see that ball, it's going to go down and it's going to go into the net. Well after it bounces off the underside of the crossbar, it was just really unfortunate. And I thought we had a couple opportunities right there that the ball could have potentially gone in. But yeah, once McLaughlin hit that third one, like you just you saw everyone deflate. And that was so, it. So a couple questions
1: off of that. One if you if you chalk the first 30 minutes up to weird start time going east playing a great team in a fantastic stadium, being a little awestruck, being a little tired, being a little out of sorts, whatever, because of that. If you take that 30 minutes out and you just look at the last 15, 20 minutes of the the first half and then the second half, are you are you thinking we're about where we were before that match? Are you thinking our form is still good? Um, what, is it slightly worse? Is it, maybe even better because uh, from what I saw without those, without seeing those first 30 minutes, I saw all the people freaking out and I'm like, ah oh, I mean, yeah, we lost, but I feel like we were, we were right there with them in the second half. So if you, if you, if you chalk that up to what I just talked about, how do you feel about it? Just looking at that 15 minutes and, and
0: then the second half, I think we're still in a pretty good spot. I feel like in that 45 to 60 minute window that we were aggressive. We were creating opportunities. We were making runs and we were controlling the pace of play. And I don't think loose city was entirely comfortable with what we were wanting to do during that time span. And so I think coming back home, you're going to see that continue, especially against a Hartford club that has struggled this year. They will likely be eliminated from the playoffs here either this week or next week, unless they do something miraculous with their final, I think seven matches they have left. But yeah, I I'm not too concerned about it. I do. I don't like the fact that it came out as flat as we did, obviously, but yeah, in the middle there, and there was a great comment by, I think it was, uh, Devin Kerr that made it and he said every loose city match you've seen this year, there's been about 40 to 42 minutes where they play really well and they've managed to get wins because of that 40 to 42 minutes instead of a full match, mm-hmm. a full well-played match. And so I think the same thing can be said for us. Cause if you see, you know, 40 to 60 minutes of really good football from us, We're going to be in a good spot to win, but if we can't overcome being flat, if we can't make something happen, if we we can't prevent other teams from scoring when we're in that funk for however long it is, that's where we have issues. And we don't play well from behind. We never have. Mm -hmm. And I think we did a pretty good job of adjusting in the middle of the first half and then going out and carrying that momentum over into the second half, which is something that we don't do very well either. Because we, we talk about all the time, you know, where's that energy coming out of the half? I will I will say, though,
1: that energy coming out of the half has been there, I feel, for about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we haven't had that. In fact, I think we've scored two or three goals in the last month or so in the first 10 minutes of the second half. And I don't feel like we've given up any of those cheap ones that we tend to do right there coming out of the half. But to touch on another thing that you said way back uh, when you first started talking about the match, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about the change in the attacking form that we've seen since Guzman has been um, taken to a, put in a backup role and we've got Revis in there. What also kind of coincides with that is Brucey getting a lot more playing time. And I think that that is more of a cause than a—I don't know what the other word is that I'm looking for—is but but Brucey being in there is part of the reason why our offense has been more electric than it was for that little losing that seven-game winless streak that we had. And and Brucey is—I mean—Brucey could be the man of the match for probably three of the last several matches that we've had. Um, I mean, he has just been fantastic. So with, since I didn't see a lot from Brucey in the second half, I saw, I saw some, but not, not a, not a ton there to hear you say that. And and know that he performed well as well, uh, just makes me feel really good. And, and, um, you know, he, I mean, he was a, he's been a fan favorite. We were arguing, uh, me, you and, and Earl were arguing in the off season before they re-signed him on if he was going to come back or not. And if he did, you know, was he going to get more playing time? And, and, uh, there was a stretch there right after we signed Najim that it seemed like Troy had a hard on for Najim uh, a little bit too much. And, and what's, what is weird though, is that Bruce's playing time has kind of put Suggs on the bench more, uh, rather than Najim. I think he did start over Najim for this match. Um, or maybe it was the last match that he started, uh, but but I love seeing him out there, and he he just brings an element that none of our other wingbacks bring. He's got that speed element that that Harry, when Harry's healthy, uh, was bringing as well. I mean, we saw it in the preseason. How many times do we sit in the preseason ride and play a long ball to to one of those two? making a a long diagonal run off of their, their side and it causing chaos and, and leading to good things. So to get back to that and to see Brucey in there and, and see him playing well, I'm very, very happy to hear that and, and hope that he continues it and coach continues to give him the, the chances.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Brucey, he did start against the city, obviously. And then he did start against RGV last week as well. So he ha- he has been getting more more playing time. We do see well, at least the last two matches, Najum on one side and Brucey on the other. You know, Harry being out obviously is one of the things that's helping that happen.
1: But it sucks that's not getting starts, right? Which, which is straight. I mean, that's our captain. Like that is that is the player voted captain and somebody that we've seen play more minutes than anybody else for our team anyways, in the USL championship, not minutes logged for in New Mexico United Colors, but minutes logged in the USL period, Suggs is first?
0: I think so. First or second at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, And so to see him ceding time to Brucey, while I think it's probably a good play, um, maybe I'd like to see one of them be on the other side for Najem, uh, but uh, Brucey looks better on that side. He looks better on the left, which is where Suggs looks best. So splitting time with them on in the the first having one of them come on in the second half and one of them start, I think, is probably our best bet. Uh, it just so happens that Brucey's gotten the start a couple of times. And and I'm not complaining. I, I think Suggs is, has looked fantastic at times and Brucey's looked fantastic at times. And and it's a good problem to have having two quality, quality players in the same position.
0: Yeah, it does help when you have guys that can come in and play the the way that they do. I think Josh is a little bit better defensively than Brucey, but for sure, sure. I feel like they both bring something going forward,
1: although Suggs has looked vulnerable on the back
0: line at times this season. Yeah, I think I I think really you could apply that to any of the guys, which I think is a fair assessment.
1: I don't think Brucey has because I don't think they asked Brucey to do it.
0: Right. When
1: Brucey's playing in Suggs's position, it's you don't see Brucey basically as a de facto de facto back uh left back or whatever you want to call it. I mean, he is he is at midfield or higher a lot more than Suggs. Mm-hmm. And they'll ask Suggs to drop back and defend and and you know he 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 obviously does a good job of it still, but they're just like like you said, with Raiden Tete to an extent, Yearwood's probably the least that I've seen. And Yearwood Yearwood I've seen make mistakes, but I've seen Yearwood with the react, or the the oh shit, I fucked up, I'm gonna fix this kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And he has the speed to make that up and to get back and, and cut somebody off and, and prevent a, a goal from happening. Whereas Suggs and Raiden Ryden has that speed, but he, when he makes a mistake, it's right in front of goal. So right. it's it's oh shit, the ball's in the back of the net before I even have a chance to react because the net's right there. Whereas everybody else has a little bit of time to try to make up and and fix it, but only Yearwood's done that successfully.
0: Yeah, Austin seems to find a second gear, and that's not something that we see necessarily from Kalen. And and Tete, I think Tete's better at it than Kalen is, but yeah, if someone gets by Austin, he's going to turn and he's going to, he's going to go back towards goal. And he's not going to play with his back to the goal. He's going to turn face goal and take off to try to make that recovery and prevent anything negative from happening. And so while Josh has that ability, we just haven't seen it as much or as consistently this year.
1: Well, and, and I think, Look, I love Suggsy, but he he has the most minutes in the USL. You don't have that record and be a young player. Right. So maybe he just doesn't have that recovery speed anymore, which is perfectly fine. And he's still going to be a great player for us. But maybe that's just not something he has in his
0: arsenal anymore. And that would also help explain the transition to almost a pure midfield role. Exactly. I mean he is 32 now according to Wikipedia, so that definitely could be part of it. That's how old I am. So do I you think, have the recovery uh, speed that Josh Suggs does? No. no <laughs> well no. No. No? Okay. I
1: I would be very curious if you gave me a month to stretch and and uh just not to where make it to where I wouldn't tear a ligament. Um, I would love to line up with the whole team and race from the midfield line to one of the goals, just, (laughs) just to see how bad I am. Okay. Or maybe I would surprise myself and beat a few people. I don't know, but I would love to see that happen. I think you can beat Phil. Yeah, but Phil would just like trip me and, (laughs) and kick me in the back of the head. So I couldn't beat it. (laughs) He he would be like, oh, no, I'm going to start right here next to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I take
0: (laughs) two steps and he trips me and then I'm out like a light. Yeah, there you go. Um, Let me ask you this. One of the big criticisms from Sunday, and I'm sure you saw it. I want to get your take on the halftime subs that Troy made. Coming out of the half on Sunday, we saw Devin Sandoval come on for Chris Weehan. And then Josh Suggs came on for David Najem. Now, Suggs for Najem, that's pretty much – a that's almost a like for like. Mm-hmm. You've got Suggsy who can go forward, who can cross the ball in. So that one I get. That one to me makes a lot of sense. Now, the one that I question a little bit is Dev on for Chris. Now, Bees didn't necessarily have a great first half. He was struggling to get involved. You saw him – Dropping deeper and deeper, trying to get involved, trying to get you know a few touches, just to get himself going. And so I think that might be what it was. And then also bring in Dev to help with the forward play, hold the ball up a little bit, get us you know settled up top, and make that quick transition. Dev also has been a little bit better with his distribution to whoever's around him. So maybe that's probably, but. I saw some criticisms about these two cha- about at least that change anyway. What do you think about that?
1: Well, having not seen the first half in a so in a vacuum, I hate the Wehan change. Um, just knowing what I know about those two players, the thing about Wehan is is he can have a bad half, and then he can make one run like the San Antonio match, and it's all forgiven, mm-hmm. or or it doesn't matter if he had a bad half. Um, because he can change things just like that, um, I I can understand seeing Dev come in. Um, you know, Dev's played in a lot of big places, a lot of big matches in the MSL, MLS, MSL. Let me try that again, MLS and USL. And so, I I don't being down one one goal to Louisville in Louisville um, isn't going to phase him. So I could see him bringing him in um you know you need that second goal maybe just maybe if it's dev standing there in front of goal instead of moreno on that suggs cross maybe dev finishes that uh i don't know but and so maybe if he's he's in moreno's position instead of we who knows you can second guess all you want but at the end of the day i want Weehan in there Because Weehan has changed the game for us since he came on, since he came back, and all Weehan needs is is one chance, and and makes one smart run. It just is in the right spot at the right time. Is you know maybe it's Weehan that that uh that ball falls to that Moreno put off the post, or or maybe Weehan's in a better position to get the rebound off of that Moreno miss and off the post. Who knows? Um but I trust Moreno to be, or not Moreno, Wehan. I trust Wehan to be in good spots that Dev typically isn't in. Not that Dev doesn't know how to find good spots. He's just, he finds different spots. He occupies different spots on the pitch than Wehan typically does. So I can see criticism for it without having seen the match. But at the end of the day, you you know, we had... We criticized him for bringing Wehan off against Austin. uh, The last match that we lost before this one. And it turns out he kind of came out with a little bit of knock. So. Because they're so mum on all the injury stuff. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe, maybe it could have been a little bit of a ding for him and, and, uh, and and we might never know. Uh, So. At the end of the day, I will I will I will I too will be mum on that
0: decision uh unless I hear something else. Do you think that the upcoming scheduled congestion could have played into that as well? Knowing sure. that knowing that we're not gonna sure. have a Mondo for at least the next two matches.
1: For sure. I mean we've got Hartford and then we've got uh um, RGV again. So granted the Hartford one isn't a six point match. It is probably a match that they're looking at going, okay, it's at home. We need three points. It's a team that is faltering. We need to get that match. This one, we haven't looked good. Maybe, maybe let's make a switch. Hopefully dev can get a cheap goal. Uh, you know, a poacher's goal, just sitting there in front of goals at some point in the second half and, and we can still point here. Otherwise, let's say we hand for for a couple matches next week, where are going to be really big, and that RGV one is going to be massive.
0: So yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at with it. That maybe that was part of the part of a, a planned change, knowing that we're going to have, knowing that we weren't going to have Moreno, and potentially you know have Chris available. And not necessarily playing the full 90 heading into the congestion and have available to play in that more forward role mm-hmm. without Moreno. So maybe you see Dev and Bees up top or something along those lines. And so having Bees with a somewhat fresher legs, I think, could have been a consideration there. For sure. For sure. So yeah, it's just, it was one of those matches where. It didn't go our way early. We started to show some life. We looked really good for a while. And I think there were still some positives to take away from that. And I think going into tomorrow night's match against Hartford, can we carry those positives over? Can we play up to our level and not play down to a Hartford side that has struggled this year? They, I believe, they are one. They have one win and one loss against Mountain Division teams. They lost to Colorado Springs. They beat Real Monarchs, which I mean, really oh, I everybody mean. should. Yeah. But this is an East an East Coast club, and we're gonna say hashtag drink because the elevation could come into into consideration on Wednesday night for Hartford. We saw Loudon struggle with that. And so I think this is a good chance for United tomorrow night to get back and pick up three points because I don't think a point tomorrow night is good enough. No, it's
1: really not. Um, Unless we're like down a man and claw back into it or something like that. Any draw, you're going to be disappointed with tomorrow. And um, yeah, I think maybe it's because I didn't see the first 30 minutes, but I'm still feeling pretty optimistic about our, our playoff chances and, and where we're sitting and and looking at the schedule we got left. I mean, Hartford, we talked about hasn't played well. RGV. Uh, surprisingly, the first time we beat them ever was last week, but um, you know, we beat them and, and we looked like the better team pretty, pretty handily. So I could see us getting another W there at San Diego. It might be tough home for San Antonio and then at RGV and versus Real Monarchs. I, I I think as long as we can, like you said, you know, take those positives and move them forward, then we'll be okay. And I, I really do think that that Colorado Springs match where he made that change to put Rivas in the midfield and not have Guzman in the, the lineup at all, um, just open things up for us and kind of open the guy's eyes to, uh, a more of attacking mindset and, and philosophy. And, and ever since then, even, even though they had that Austin one, that was kind of a one-off they've just looked like a much better club. So I think we, I think, I think when we make the playoffs and if we make some noise in the playoffs, especially you can look back at that Colorado Springs game and circle it and say, that was the changing point. And um, because of that, and because I'm still feeling pretty good about, how we've we've seen the club kind of make those changes and and look completely different. Um, I think we continue that Wednesday. I think we continue it Saturday. I know you didn't ask about Saturday, but I'm going to let you know anyways. Um, I, I think I think two multiple goal wins are coming, even with Moreno not being there.
0: I think that's a bold prediction. There, at least to some extent while I know that we have the ability to score my concern with these next two matches is playing again. I already mentioned it, you know, playing at the level that we need to be playing at playing at the level that we know we can play at without Moreno B be- I mean, bees has already become our leading goal scorer for the year and just the, the short time he's been here. Without Moreno, who is that target man up top? I mean, Dev obviously doesn't have the scoring ability that he used to. Do we see two at the top with Bees? Do we see maybe Bees play up top and Dev play underneath? What do we have to do in these next two matches to unlock that offense, unlock that potential without Amondo being there? Well,
1: I think so much about this team's problems earlier in that seven game run was just not having that attacking mindset. And if you have that attacking mindset with even, even with Moreno out, the quality that we have across the board, whether it's, you know, Suggs, Brucey, Moreno or not Moreno, Suggs, Brucey, Weehan, Sandoval, I'll throw Illich in there. Um, Rivas, you know, Tenari, Isidro. When you have talent there and you have a mindset that is, we're going to come in, we're going to score goals, we're not going to sit back on our heels, no matter what the scenario is, I think the goals will come some way, somehow. So you look at that uh, – Um. uh the Colorado Springs match, sorry, uh, that I'm talking about. That's a turning point. Moreno didn't play in that match. Or at least he didn't start. Let me double check. Yeah, he didn't play in that match at all. He, I, I believe that was during his first run with El Salvador for World Cup qualifying. So he didn't play in that match at all. We scored three goals. You know, we had Wehan, Suggs, and then a penalty from Sandoval. I could easily see those three scoring multiple goals over the next two matches. Um, It's Moreno being out. I love Moreno. Moreno has been a very good player for us. Moreno has also struggled mightily with his mentality at times, including when he came back from his first El Salvador stint. And so not having him out there, I don't think it makes us a worse team I don't think it makes us a better team at all But I'm not worried about Not having him in there And us not being able to score goals uh, I, I think there are ways The On ESPN It had us In a Where'd it go A 3-4-2-1 With Sandoval up top And then we Hannah Martinez And then Najem, Rivas, Azira, Suggs And then Tete, Red, and Yearwood I could easily see that lineup starting the next two matches or iterations of that lineup. Maybe it's Brucey instead of Najem one game. Maybe it's Brucey instead of Suggs because I feel like Brucey's played well enough that he's got to get in there. Uh, Maybe it's Tenari instead of Martinez. Maybe it's Guzman instead of Azira. I don't know. There's a bunch of different plug and plays that you can do there. And I feel like our offense is going to be just fine. So while Moreno is a very good player for us. Um, I'm thinking that three goals in these two games each isn't out of the realm of possibility. You might not expect it. might not be probable. But 3-1, 2-0, 3-0, whatever. I think any of those are a possibility. And against Hartford, spoiler alert, I'm going to predict 4-0 because if you look at the schedule, I feel like that's probably the most likely chance that it happens is against Hartford where we're playing at home. We are desperate coming off of a loss. Hartford is a team that is at like 27 feet above sea level back home. Um, They're traveling west. They're taking us on midweek. It, it could get ugly if we play up to what we're capable of the last several weeks. And and nothing that I've seen, at least at home, shows me that we shouldn't do that.
0: Of the two matches coming up this week, and I think we're going to sit down maybe later in the week, maybe Thursday again, to talk RGV. Of these two matches, I feel like Hartford is the one I'm more confident in. Not that we can't beat RGV or not that I don't think we should not beat RGV, but of the two matches, I'm more confident in tomorrow night. Back at the lab against a club that has really never had to travel like this. I'll take that back. They did travel to Colorado Springs, so they do have a little bit of experience with it, but going cross country i have to, i'll have to look and see oh they've been off for a week so it's not like they played on the weekend and then have to come out on on short rest so they last played last thursday so they've had some time to rest they are going to come out play at elevation hashtag drink and I think they're going to struggle. I think Hartford's going to struggle coming out here, not only with that, but also with the style of play that we like to put out there with what Troy's system does to folks. And so looking at tomorrow night, looking at what Hartford has done recently, I can see 3-1 being a very real possibility in our favor. I, I hate to not give Alex a clean sheet, but Hartford can score. They've got 38 goals on the season. They've got a couple guys that are getting close to 10 goals. I think I got their co-leading scores. Both have seven, and so they have the ability to do it. But I think our back three is better than their front two. I also feel like we have a better midfield, and so I think it's going to come down to. Can our forwards can whoever plays in those four positions, can they convert? Can they take their opportunities and put them away? Cause if they can do that, we're going to win this match and it's not going to be close.
1: Well, so in the last month they have been blanked twice. Um, one of those was against New York who is barely above Loudon. Um, they are atrociously bad. And New York blanked them to nothing. Um. Charlotte also blanked them. Charlotte's a good team, so that, there's no fault there. But their only result last month was against Real Monarchs. Mm-hmm. So, does that even count? <laughs> so I'm not. This should be a win. It should be a multiple goal win. Um, you know, you said they came, they came out to Colorado Springs and had, so they have experience coming out west and playing at elevation Uh, Colorado Springs won four to two. Right. Um, I didn't say they were, they were good in that match. Right. Right. I know, but I'm just saying uh, they came in out and got worked at elevation. So I I understand Colorado Springs is a better attacking side than we are uh, in a whole. I mean, they have Haji Berry. So of course, but to give up four goals, never a good look. And to have to come back out and play at elevation, uh, they know what's coming. But <laughs> that knowing what's coming doesn't help your lungs uh, when it comes to coming out here. And so, yeah, I, I mean, we we basically already given our predictions. Four uh, nil is is mine. It might not get that bad of a bloodbath, but but I I expect at least a two nil win.
0: Yeah. Again, it's just one of those matches where a point is not good enough. No. A point – well, if we went on the road and picked up a point, I don't think it would be good enough. But a point at home against this against a Hartford club that will likely be out of playoff contention in the not-too-distant future is absolutely not good enough we have to get three points and i think we're going to say that for every match between now and the end of the season and i think it's accurate but you're gonna there's going to be some matches like i think if we go to san diego pick up a point i think that's a good result mm-hmm. i think if we i think we uh see, i'm trying to think of what else we have left we just Off have at,
1: we have at san diego we have at rgv yeah Um, and then we have home for RGV, home for Hartford, home for San Antonio, and home for Real Monarchs.
0: I would say of those matches, a point against San Antonio is a good result. A point against, I mean, I would obviously much rather have the three against San Antonio, but I think one point is realistic. I think one at San Diego is realistic. I think those are both good results for us. Everything else, I think we have to get three points. No questions asked. Anything less than that, we're severely hurting our playoff chances at this point.
1: So so you look at the two clubs that we're, we're fighting with. Um, I mean, we talked Thursday uh, with David Carl, uh, and he mentioned hosting a match at the lab for the playoffs, uh, which I think is a little bit of pie in the sky, but um, I understand where David's coming from. But if you if you realistically look at the two clubs we're fighting just to make sure we get in the playoffs, and that's Austin and RGV. You know, we have RGV twice on the schedule. I think if we beat them both times, we don't have to worry about RGV. Um but I'm looking at Austin's schedule here. And and tell me what you think about it. Because they have two games, two matches in hand on us. Uh they've only played twenty five, so they've, they've got, got one in hand. Have we played twenty six?
0: Yeah, we've only played twenty six.
1: Uh, Oh, okay. Sorry, I was looking at RGV. RGV has played 27, so I was comparing it to them. Um, Okay, so they have have one in hand on us. And they are currently only a point back of us. Their next match is tomorrow against Austin. Or not Austin. Tacoma. Mm Tacoma has lost five straight. I could see them winning that. It's at home. Then they have Oklahoma City. Uh, Lost, draw, win, draw, draw is Oklahoma City's um, run of form lately. So I could see that one also being a win. It's in Austin. But then you have at Birmingham, at Real Monarchs, which, okay, at El Paso, at San Antonio, and then home for Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, that. One, two, three, four of those last five are very, very tough,
0: including that Charlotte one, uh, even though it's in Austin. And you said that, all right, so Austin has Charlotte, San Antonio, Ar- El Paso, Real, Tacoma, Birmingham. And Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City, okay. And so I think, I've, I looked at their schedule yesterday, or Sunday. Jerry popped in the chat and was uh, trying to give me a hard time saying that, you know, a our, our loss was... Would would take us out of it and blah 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 and whatever and and Jerry was just talking out of his ass so that's um, what Jerry does best yeah and so I was trying to explain that I was like Jerry you know losing to Lou City is not the end of the end of the world for us and yes Austin does have a match in hand but look at their schedule Birmingham is most likely a loss San Antonio is most likely a loss Charlotte that's probably they may get a point out of that. El Paso, that's most likely a loss. So that's what, three losses already? Mm-hmm. And so, I think it's going to be near impossible for, for them to sneak in. I, I can see them beating Real and then potentially beating Oklahoma City. Because I, if I remember correctly, every team that they play except for Real Monarchs is either currently in a playoff position or they're still in contention for playoffs. Let's see, Tacoma. Tacoma's not eliminated. There, it's no, a tough road only, for them. But
1: they're only two points back. But they are yeah. sitting seventh uh, in that division. That's a um, tough division, though. Birmingham I, is Birmingham is basically loose city. Yeah, I mean that's how good they are. And that that'll be in Birmingham. Oklahoma City is sitting f- tied for Memphis for fourth mm-hmm. um, in that same division uh charlotte is is easily in fourth um in theirs and only two points behind second place in that group um yeah i think realistically i mean i could see them getting 10 points out of those matches i mean i could see them beating tacoma beating oklahoma city beating real monarchs and then drawing somebody surprisingly maybe charlotte maybe El Paso, uh, maybe San Antonio, whatever. So you say 10 points. Then you look at ours. Should beat Hartford, that's 3. Should beat RGV at home, that's 6. Should beat Real Monarchs at home, that's 9. And that eliminates Austin, right there. Basically. I mean, we're, we're a point ahead of them, and they have a match to play, so um yeah essentially that that doesn't mean and if we get a point out of either san diego or rgv then then we're sitting pretty and if we get six points from the rgv matches then that puts us at 12 points for this scenario and rgv i don't think rgv would catch us either so I, i'm still feeling pretty good uh, if we come out flat against hartford if we talk Thursday, I might have a different tune. But as for right now, I'm feeling pretty confident.
0: Yeah, like you said, I, I'm seeing maybe 10 points at best for Austin out of the remaining matches. If they if they outperform that, then I think it gets a little bit tighter. I think it's a little bit tougher for us to pick up that win, pick up that final playoff spot. But yeah, I think so we have 18 potential points left. I see us getting twelve. We need twelve. Yeah, I see us getting twelve out of out of that run there. And I think if we get twelve, I think we're going to be in the playoffs, no question. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Unless I haven't looked at RGV's schedule, but unless RGV
0: has, oh, they've got San Antonio like two more times. They still got Colorado. I think. I think they still have one against El Paso too. Like. The back end of RGV's schedule is all within the division, and it's brutal. I think I have two against the Monarchs too, but they have two against us, one against
1: Colorado, one against Monarchs, and one against El Paso, because they only have five left because they've played one more than us. Yeah. So maybe I mean, if they beat us twice and beat Real Monarchs, and they get to nine, um. We would have to do we'd basically have to beat everybody else other than them to to get in. But if if we get six points from them, it's over for them and it'd be pretty tough for Austin, especially what I what I'm what I hope for is that I hope that we have to win that last match, honestly. (laughs) Uh, Because one, I, I told you guys in the group text that my wife's going to come with me to that match. Uh, she's going to be on the field with me. Um, and and for her to experience a playoff clinching win, I think would be pretty awesome. And then two, I, I want them to have to play for something that match. I don't want to go into the... I mean, maybe they'll, they'll still be playing for seeding. Uh, that's a possibility. But I, I just I want that match to mean something. I don't want it to be... Uh, Oh, we're already in. It doesn't matter. Uh, maybe, maybe Wehan doesn't play. Maybe Brucey doesn't play. Maybe Brian doesn't play something like that. So, um, but we can, we can sit here and, and predict all we want. It, it comes down to, to how the team performs. And, and if you look at our run of form, even with the Louisville loss, uh, and what's ahead of us, I, I think we're in good shape. So in case we don't talk about the RGV match, my prediction there is two, nothing, um, but but I uh, hope maybe we can hop on Thursday at least for like 30 minutes or so and, and talk about those two. But other than that, I think I'm good.
0: All right. Yeah, I am too. I, in terms of the Mega Scary Night, there's really not much left to talk about this week or really anything to talk about. Um Two small tidbits. So I've been doing the math. So we know Armando Moreno is already going to be gone this week for international duty. It actually kind of plays in well for United because Moreno would be facing a one match suspension due to yellow card accumulation this week. So he would miss Wednesday night's match. Anyway, Uh, I went back, I've done the math. He has eight yellow cards on the season. There was a, there's a stretch of about 10 matches in there where he didn't get a yellow card, but he didn't play in the vast majority because of prior international duty. So he, he played four matches in that span without a yellow card. So if he just played one more, he would have had one of the yellows knocked off. But so, yeah, I know he, he would, he would be facing a yellow card suspension uh, accumulation for eight yellow cards on the season on Wednesday night. So either way, we wouldn't have Moreno. And so does that. So like to me, if I'm the USL, I'm like, eh. no, it's, he just has to, he, he just has to sit out a match. Doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't It doesn't matter that he wasn't going to be there anyway. As far as I can tell, there's no, not, I can look it up, but as far as I can tell, there is no, uh, caveat in the media guide for international duty. I mean, I, I'll pull it up here while we're talking. Hopefully I have an answer for you by the, by the end of the episode, but no, yeah. I mean, that's okay. I, I, Worst case scenario, we don't have him for what? San Diego? Yeah, but we want it for San Diego. I mean, I look, I
1: love Moreno, but he's not a huge loss. Like, I, it's not such a downgrade that I'm like, oh, we've got to have him back. It, it's just not for me. So, yeah, um, I don't. If he misses at San Diego and we manage to get a point, then no harm, no foul. Even if we lose that match, as long as we can take care of business in the other ones, then it's it's no harm, no foul. So, um, but that's it's interesting to me that they wouldn't be like, "Well, hold on, he wasn't going to play anyways." But at the same time, who knows? They can't necessarily assume things. Uh, that, it's a slippery slope. So, but you, right. you say you say he has the yellow card, and I I think about the freaking yellow card. That I can't remember what game it was, but it was we he he had the ball, he passed it up. We had a fast break. Anything could have happened, and he freaking swung basically on a guy, threw his arm back, got a yellow card for it, stopped the play, stopped any momentum. And that's the one that sticks out to me. That I'm like, what the are you thinking, Moreno? Like, just
0: yeah, the one he picked up against Los City. They called it uh, something infringement, persistent infringement. I think he was just mouthing off too much. And so he's picked up a couple stupid yellows Mm -hmm. uh, here over the past month and a half or so. And looking at the USL rules here, eight total cautions, one game suspension and a fine caution accumulation. Suspension is going to only affect regular season games for those players who reach a caution accumulation suspension at the end of a C hyphen Sun, Thanks USL. That suspension will not be implemented in any potential playoff games this season. Accumulations will be wiped clean at the end of the season. If a player exceeds 14 cautions, the league reserves the right to find and suspend the player at its discretion. And so serving suspensions during regular season, any player and or coach sent off dismissed during a regular season will be fined. But that's sending off. So
1: yeah.
0: I don't. there's nothing in here about international duty preventing that yellow card accumulation from being served Wednesday night when he's not even here. So we. I think we kind of lucked out a little bit on that one. Uh, But yeah, I heard it mentioned on the broadcast. I wanted to go back and double check because I've been keeping a spreadsheet of all the yellow cards and and accumulations and things. And so, yeah, it's uh, a little bit fortunate for us there. We've got a couple guys who are getting close. I think uh, Guzman, I think he's sitting on six now because he does have a good behavior one. Potentially two good behavior ones have come off. The next closest would be Andrew Tenari, but I think – He's at six, but I think he has a good behavior one in there as well. So um, I think we're going to be okay towards the end of the season in terms of, of that. But that was the only other note that I had about New Mexico United. The last thing I wanted to ask you before we get out of here tonight, World Cup qualifiers Thursday night. Four matches within CONCACAF. U.S. is taking on Jamaica. U.S. is 1-2-0. and 0. Jamaica is 0-1-2. Honduras takes on Costa Rica. Both clubs are 0-2-1 mexico and canada mexico is 2-1-0 canada is 1-2-0 and then el salvador takes on panama el salvador 0 oh two and one and panama one two and what are your predictions for these matches
1: <laughs> i don't pay attention to half of these teams okay um but no i i think i'd like to see el salvador get a win especially moreno playing and playing well uh, but they just haven't looked good, um, whether it was Gold Cup or or, or the World Cup qualifying earlier. Um, uh, Canada-Mexico is going to be fun, man. That's going to be an exciting one. Uh, hopefully, Canada's at full strength. And um, I think that one's probably going to be a draw. Um, I don't remember the other one.
0: Uh, Honduras and Costa Rica and then the U.S. and Jamaica.
1: I I literally have no thoughts on Honduras, Costa Rica. I just (laughs) nobody that I know plays for either of those teams. They don't move the needle for me at all. So I'll say Costa Rica just so I can, if I'm right, I can go back and be like, "Ha, told you." Uh, The U.S. Jamaica one's interesting. Um, You know, the U.S. is obviously without Reyna and um, Pulisic. So yeah, uh, but I I think we're a deep enough club. I mean, we didn't have either of those players when we beat Mexico in the Gold Cup. So was it the Gold Cup or what was the other competition? Uh Nations League? Na-
0: yeah. yeah, something like that.
1: I don't. Know. One of those competitions we didn't have them and we won. Um we won the whole thing. So so I I think we we should come out with a w i, I believe it's in the US if I'm not mistaken um i think yeah i think that one's in uh in austin <clears throat> so so that i i feel pretty good about that one I, I hopefully we we look good on the attack and can finish uh the u.s men's national team kind of had the same problem as united did uh that first world cup qualifying go round uh we looked fantastic at times uh momentary lapses cost us and uh couldn't finish at times and that cost us so uh, but I, I think we'll get the win there, and and uh, I'm I'm excited for this for this club. Hopefully Pepe gets playing time, because um, I think he was really good there at the those last two matches for us, or that last match when he came on and played. So it'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see what Burhalter does, and and um, I think it's at 5:30. I mean, it's an early kickoff, so mm-hmm. um, that'll be nice. So it'll be over by 7:30, so that if we do hop on. Uh, I won't be distracted following it. So,
0: Yeah, I think U.S. is going to pick up the win there against Jamaica. I know the Reggae boys have played us tough in the past, and they're obviously a talented squad You know, with guys uh, coming from the USL. Honestly, I'm looking forward to the Jamaica-El Salvador match in November. That's going to be a lot of fun because there's going to be okay. a lot of USL okay. players. USL All-Star game. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a lot of fun. I think Costa Rica is more talented than Honduras. I think Costa Rica picks up three points there. Mexico, Canada. I think the Fighting Tatas uh, pick up another win. I think Canada's talented, but I think Mexico's better than El Salvador. Panama obviously want to see El Salvador win just for Amando Moreno, but who knows what's going to happen in that match? And I know the U.S. they got to pick up their play, man. They've got to pick up their play, and. If, cause if they lose out on qualifying this this time around, I, I don't. Know.
1: I, that that thought hasn't even crossed my mind. Honestly, I just don't see it happening. They're they're such a talented team. Um, I mean, we had probably. I, I think if you ask asked most fans if we would have had a. They would say it was a disappointing three match stretch um, last in or back in was it September or August? September, or, yeah, September. Back in September, um, that that was probably a disappointing three game stretch, and we're still sitting in in second in the tied for second in the group. So uh, I'm not. I, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. I think we can round into form, um, even without Reyna and, and Christian there. I, I think we've got enough depth on the wings that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the roster. And the potential rosters that, that the U.S. can make, the the real position of weakness for us was striker, and still is to to be completely honest with you. Um, but probably the deepest position was the wings, and and so granted, oh, especially for the- losing your top two people at that position sucks. We have enough depth there that we're okay, uh, and then I think the back line and, and the oh. defensive midfielders are 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 pretty much set and and we've got some depth there too so i after these three matches we'll see if if we don't perform well in these three matches and we're all of a sudden sitting fifth third fourth somewhere in there um i might be singing a different tune but at the moment um i think we're okay i think we're all
0: right yeah, we're definitely gonna be watching the next three matches for sure with bated breath to see what happens with the U.S. Can they, can they find their form? I think of the matches in September, the most concerning one was the El Salvador match because that's a club that we really should have pulled out three points against. Canada, I'm not as upset about you know the one-one draw. I think that's understandable. You know they have a lot of MLS guys up there. Uh, playing for the Canadian national team. And so I think that was a pretty fair result, but these matches and, here and the ones in November are going to be very telling. And you
1: look at the Salvador match and I agree with you. It's a team that we should get three points from, but that place was freaking hostile, dude. Like they had like a 10 foot high chain link fence around the field. Christian went to go kick a corner and was getting just pummeled with beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's a tough place to go play in, in in what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Live TV here, guys. Thanks. <laughs> um, whatever. In places like that, it's just tough to go play. And it was the first match of that thing uh, of that that three game stretch, and um, so I could see see the team just knocking off a little bit of rust and and uh, I would have liked to have seen him come back and get three points against Canada but it's it is what it is so um i think we should end up i guess we got Jamaica Honduras and Costa Rica i believe these three um that that should be 9 points or at least close to it Maybe seven, but it, it should be two wins
0: at least. Yeah, uh, no, we have Jamaica, Panama, and Panama and Panama. Costa Rica. Okay,
1: I was completely off. I didn't get any of them except for Jamaica right, <laughs> but I tried, guys. I tried it. Either way, the point still stands. It should be two wins at the very least. So, um, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks and see where we're where we're at. And uh, I, I think. I think I'll still be good there. And honestly, there's so much soccer left to be played in World Cup qualifying. Still, even after these three matches, that if they're still a little shaky, then then uh, I I won't be like panic level a thousand yet. Yet, yeah. I mean, there's always the case. I mean, it's it's the U.S. men's national team. Um, Nobody knows what can happen. But I just feel like we're the most talented team, uh, top to bottom, in, in CONCACAF right now, including Mexico. We just have to put it all together.
0: Yeah, we absolutely do. And if we can't get to some sort of form before we get to the November matches where we do play Mexico, that's going to be tough. Because I think it looks like, according to Yahoo, in, or not Yahoo, but Google search, we play them back to back in two matches in November. And so that's going to be tough. If we don't get some sort of form going before then, hopefully we get the guys in, get them time to gel a little bit and get some form going. And hopefully we can, we can make some progress before those two matches, because honestly, that's probably the two toughest matches between here and the end of qualifying.
1: And we, we played them again in March and I was so bummed because Uh, My birthday is March 24th, and I believe they play on the 24th. It might be the 23rd. I'm looking it up now. But they play Mexico one of those two days. And I was really, really wanting to save up and try to go to that match until I realized it was in Mexico. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm probably not going to go to Mexico. So, yeah, it is going to be tough. I don't see back-to-back in November against Mexico.
0: Yeah, I don't know. When I when I Googled Google searched the World Cup qualifiers, I had two matches back to back against them. So but looking at the Wikipedia page in November, we have Mexico on November twelfth, and then Jamaica on the sixteenth.
1: And then it goes to January, um yeah. kind of starts back over El Salvador, Canada, Honduras, and then then in March, it is on my birthday, it's the twenty-fourth. We play Mexico again, Panama, Costa Rica. So I mean We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. There's a lot of matches left. Uh, but we're a talented club and I, I have faith for now.
0: All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for our show this week. So why don't you go ahead and get us out of here? All right, guys.
1: Yeah, it was it was a little little different with just two of us, especially having uh guests on lately at four and three and this and there. So it was a nice little reprieve from the what has been the status quo. So um seth thanks for thanks for doing everything you do the the stream yard i think has been working fantastic at least from the the video side of it and um you know i'm excited i'm excited for for the end of the united season i'm excited for fall and and cooler weather finally be here i'm excited for for world cup qualifying and and football season and everything else so um those listening i we're gonna try to come back thursday at nine o'clock but no guarantees there um, but we will be back here at 9 o'clock um, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, and the podcast coming out later in the day or later in the week. And, and if you guys are just listeners of the podcast, which I don't blame you. I, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts that have video components on YouTube, and I don't watch the video components. Um, mainly because if I'm used to you talking in speed, a faster speed, because I listen to one and a half times speed. Um, when I listen to you on YouTube, you sound drunk as hell. Um, so I don't do that. But um if you if you have something that you want to talk about in the moment, come on to YouTube, get in the comments, uh we'll mention your name, and then you can listen back and 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 hear us talk about you um on the podcast itself. But uh, we love having you guys listening. We love that this year we've had more interaction with you guys and, and we plan on just keep doing uh, the best job that we can. And hopefully it gets better, better experience for you, for you listeners and watchers. And, and so until possibly Thursday, but possibly next Tuesday uh, at nine o'clock, uh
0: You've been listening to Somos Live your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Badoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.